Welcome to the I'm a Rescue podcast. I am Tom Clark. I'm Steph Clark. Steffi Clark now. Steffi Clark. She changed her name for show business purposes. And uh, joining us on the podcast today is Charles Greaves. Woo! Yeah, buddy. Yeah, Charles. Uh, I've known Charles, I think, a little under 10 years. Uh, wow. Over. Over 10 two, years? Two, 2000. Well, I, I, I want to say I first met you in 2010. Yeah. And then we had a class, what, 2011. Right, Charles. I, you guys know each other longer than I know you, Tom. <laughs> That's right. I should have married Charles. Should have. Yeah. Um, um, Way to go. Still got a, cute, still a chance. cute Frenchies and some kids. But yeah. No and friend. I got a fat ass. You missed out, buddy. Yeah. You got a nice fat ass. Um. <laughs> that bagel ass, though. So, um, this is not how I wanted to start. Uh, Why not? Marrying Charles. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Charles and I we met at uh, he took my stand up class and uh, you had already been doing stand up, right? You I had already been doing stand up, um, but when I moved out here, I focused so hard on boxing and acting, and I'm like, damn, like I'm letting stand up like go by the side. So I started doing a lot of open mics, and I was hating it. I was like, this this all oh, this scene out here is terrible. Right. Open mic, oh, it's just awful, but. My friend Celeste took your class. Right. And she's like, you know, I know you've already done it, but why don't you just do that and avoid doing the open mics? Right. And you'll get all the reps you need, and it's just very focused. I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. You know, like, a lot of people poo-poo comedy classes. They're like, oh, you don't do take comedy class. You can't learn to be funny. And I'm like, well, it's not about that. Like, there's structure that's involved in writing jokes that's kind of important to, like, if you don't know it. Eventually, you'll learn it, but it's a lot easier if you take a class and it's given to you. Helps structure, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, and, and Charles works at, where it was working at one of our favorite restaurants, Olive Garden. Oh, gee. They, oh, they gave us a shout out for our anniversary last and week we'd on love, Instagram. We'd love for them to sponsor the podcast. Oh, my God. That would be a dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we, we went to Olive Garden, and the, this waiter was so nice. But he was like, everything we talked about with Olive Garden, he's like, well, you know, our Olive Garden tradition is that, like he was like, it like had been hammered home with him. Like it's a cult. <laughs> like it was is, like that, a cult. is that like how it was when you worked there? Um, You know what? At the uh, What Olive Garden was this? Uh, this was the one in Thousand Oaks. Thousand Oaks. Okay. Yeah. The, you know what? I know the GM there. She's a good friend of mine. She used to be my manager at Burbank Olive Garden. Um, <laughs> it's not really the culture at Burbank. Okay. Burbank there's a lot of old OGs who are very like jaded. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's you know, it's a cool environment. Like I, you know, I had fun there. Um I w- I was sad when I left because I really enjoyed the people that I worked with. Like you know, regardless of how I feel about the company, the people that I worked with were really cool towards the end and I was like, "Damn, I didn't really want to leave." But I left and transferred to Yard House in Northridge. So, but Olive Garden was surprising. Like for a while, I hated it. Right. But towards, like I said, towards the end, it was so cool because it's very cliche. But that whole shit they say, like, oh, you know, when you're here, your family, like, they really take care of you like that. Like right. that group of people did anyway. I don't know what it is everywhere else, but they were very cool. And you know, they gave us a lot of liberties there as far as like using your personality so it wasn't very like be very og to the book you know it was like the <laughs> <B-O-G>. <laughs> b-o-g 
it was yeah. very like uh you know the only thing that they were very strict on was the the wine like you got to do the wine stuff um but everything else they were like be yourself make your say you know oh i would what? fail like you have to know the wine yeah what was the most obnoxious uh that you've ever experienced with the salad and breadsticks did you run into a lot oh, of Jesus. like i need more salad and breadsticks like all breadsticks is probably like you want to kill yourself you're just like all right dude like at some point you have to stop because you're gonna you're, you're gonna faint like it's not gonna be good like you gotta let this go Carbo like you're brother. like i'm worried about your health yeah like, like there's people so there's people much. come in there drunk and i'm like all right whatever but the bread i'm like dude you're like let's let's have a talk okay <laughs> Like an intervention on the yeah. breadsticks. He's yeah. like, take it easy, okay? And I'm like, oh, give me more Alfredo. Like, Jesus, guy, look, we don't have cots here that you can sleep on. Like, you have to take it easy. It was crazy, man. Yeah. Is it like now? Because I work, I'm, I've worked at restaurants for 15 years. I worked at only Ma and Pa, and I know Olive Garden very corporate. Is it only three tables per server? Yes, it so is very money very wise. It's like uh, limiting. But when I first started there, they were crazy busy. Did people? Oh, wow. I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. The culture behind these motherfuckers out here in LA. <laughs> they're like, "Yo, I will wait three hours for a table at Olive Garden." <laughs> and I'm like, "Really? At Olive Garden?" <laughs> so I was like, "All right, I guess I should work here, right?" And I, so I applied there, and I was stunned on a Friday, Saturday night, how many people were just waiting to get a table at the, like. And they, they were all dressed up and decked out. I'm like, guys, it's, it's the Olive Garden. Like, why are you doing this to yourselves? But right. they did it. And I was like, L.A., man, this is, woo, you guys take this over the top, but okay. Right. Well, we went there for our five-year anniversary. Yeah. But it's, like, funny to us, you know? Okay. Yeah. So uh, here I am shitting on Olive Garden. You're like, oh, I got married there. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I got married there. <laughs> the manager wasn't my best man. Um, but... Uh, Oh boy, Charles! Oh, that's my wife calling me right now. All sorry, right. I'm sorry. Oh, you need to answer. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I won't. <laughs> I like you. Look at us like this. Cool. Yeah. All right, hold on. Yeah. Hey, I'm on a podcast right now with Tom and Steph Clark. How may I help? Wow, you? this is an inside look. Oh, wow. at the relationship. Yeah, you should be sorry. Oh boy. All right. Bye. Wow. Wow. That was a real glimpse. Yeah, I'm I'm a dick. No. <laughs> um she she knew. She was like, "Fuck, I didn't know it was now." You know, she's like, "I'm sorry." Oh, that's all right. Um I don't know. Uh let's see. So so I sort of wanted to go back cuz uh before you got out to LA and everything and worked at the OG, uh where did you grow up? I grew up in uh Brentwood, Long Island and uh a little bit in Jamaica, Queens. Like when I first cuz I was telling stuff before, I was born in Alaska. Moved from Alaska to New York. How, how'd you end? Up, how'd you get? How, how'd you end up in Alaska? My dad was stationed there in the army. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so born in Alaska, moved to Queens, lived in Queens for a little bit, then moved to Brentwood, went to school in Brentwood. What's Brentwood like? Oh, uh, imagine Brentwood, California, but with a ton more black people and Latino people. And a lot less money. Like, so, <laughs> so cool. So, like, yeah. complete opposite. So it chill. is the complete opposite of Brentwood, California. That's funny. You should do that in a bit. Yeah. Oh, man. It is because it, it's funny. I wear a Brentwood wrestling shirt or a Brentwood football shirt. And people are like, oh, you went to Brentwood? You're from L.A.? I'm like, nah, nah. Let's, let's, let's walk that back a little bit. I was like, I am from Brentwood, Long Island, which is 
the furthest thing from Brentwood, California. Right. And like it is complete opposite. It's perfect that they're on opposite sides of the the map because it's completely like you would go to Brentwood if you were from California. You went from Brentwood, California to Brentwood, Long Island, and you got off the plane. You'd be like, "Oh my God, what is <gasps> shit? It is not the same. <laughs> I gotta get. Out. It's totally different." Like rough or, or is it? Oh, or, very rough. Really? Very rough. It. Um. Sorry, I'm like spinning on your mic here. It. It. Uh. Lots of gangs. Um. Uh, yeah. Lots. But you know what? I loved. I loved where I was from because uh, the school system over there was amazing. Like I have teachers that bled for us. They did so much. And wow. uh, oh yeah, like if it wasn't for that school, Brentwood would be just atrocious because it's like i said it's filled with gangs you name the gang that they're out there but they were towards the end it was a big ms-13 movement uh towards the ends of when i was living there oh, uh, wow. big ms-13 but you know there's latin kings and nietas and bloods and crips and apple just, dumpling yes the apple dumpling gang yes <laughs> they they wear plaid <laughs> Um, so, so what were you like in high school? Were you playing sports? Because yeah, well, I know you're into how do you boxing. Avoid the, how do you avoid the gangs? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? You just kind of know where to hang out, like where to avoid. Uh, but I also had a lot of friends in these gangs. So you can't really get away from it in that sense. But at the same time, like you just don't gang. Like my mom kept me like I spent more time in the church than I did in school it was cra- like I was wow. at church every day and people were like what do you do with your life I'm like I go to church like what don't you like what do you do like to me it was normal I'm like I'm in church all the time like I go to and I played a lot of sports I did martial arts forever um and then I wrestled and played football wow, wow. and uh were you like all conference and any of that or all state or anything? um I was all league I uh I kind of had like just a crazy run because I was, you know, I was ranked, but I would never place. Is it, are we talking wrestling? Yeah, wrestling. Okay. So I was ranked, but I would never place. Uh, just had like a shitty end of my 11th grade. Like my junior year was like I was coming up. Like I was finally in the mix. And then um, towards the end of the year, like I'm ranked third in the county at my weight at 135. And then my brother's fiance she has a stroke he's like hey i need you to come to jersey and help me move like i just bought this house and i'm like shit like i'm in the middle of the season like i can't leave right now but my mom like put so much pressure on me she's like how could you that's your brother go help him move i'm like all right fine i was like so i tell my coach i'm like hey i'm gonna be gone for like a week i gotta help him move ended up being like two weeks and i came back and they made me wrestle off for a spot uh you know for the end of the year tournament i lost the wrestle off so I didn't. Even, I spent all that year as a starter. I didn't even wrestle in the, the tournament. Oh. So my ranking didn't matter. And I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" So my senior year, like, I'm like, "All right, I got to turn it up and finally make a statement." And lost again. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, in a wrestle off to wrestle. Well, no, not in a wrestle off. Like I made it to the tournament and everything. I was fine. But then um, first round of the counties, I had to move up and wait because. I was battling one of my teammates all year, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, I couldn't go that weight because he won the last match. So they were like, look, he's going 140. We think you should go to 145. And I'm like, dude, I could win that 140. I'm fine. They're like, no, no, no. 
you won't get the ranking that you need. So go to 145. So I went to 145. and So you got to put on weight and all that. Yeah, no. Oh. <laughs> I just was like, well, I got to wrestle the bigger guys. Uh-huh. And I made it to the county tournament. I lost in the first round, and that was the end of it. I was It was heartbreaking for me because I put so much time and energy into it. And then, like, just circumstances didn't add up. And, you know, like looking back, like, I'm like, you should have just worked harder. Like, no matter where you were, just work as hard as you can. So that whatever circumstance you land in, you'll finish fine. Right. But, you know, I let a lot of outside shit get in my head. So so then. Uh, Just family stuff and the yeah. your brother dealing with. Yeah. So fiance. my my parents. All right. So I was kind of, I've been kind of on my own since I was like 16, 17. Right. Because my mom is a religious fanatic. She spent all, like I said, spent all our time in the church. What religion? Uh, Christianity. Oh, um, nice. yeah. But the church that we went to was Assembly of God. But like you know, we were, I guess you would call us, you know, born again Christians or Baptists. You know, so she uh, spent all our time in the church all the time. So we would go to our church, but then we would leave our church and go to another church. Oh my and then, gosh. Yeah, we would leave that church and then go to this service in the in the city that you know, is sponsored by Mike Murdoch or Creflo Dollar or whoever, like one of these big televangelists. And we would go. So, so you were going to church after, like, I mean, you weren't switching church. You were going to church after church. After church. Oh, after, my God. Like, it was just too much. Wow. And she spent all of the money for the mortgage and everything, like, on church. Like, wow. she would just give all the money away to the church. And we were losing the house and stuff. And, uh, you know, I was helping with bills in the house at 16 because I didn't, you know, but yeah, I was shielded from it, like because they, my parents never told me, like, hey, we're having money issues because your mom's giving away money. What's your dad saying during all this? Um, well, <laughs> so I'm giving all the dirt here. My dad, <laughs> my dad and mom didn't get along. My dad had been seeing a lady for years. Oh, yeah, and um, he had a full blown relationship with somebody else. Had kids with them. Oh, jeez. Like, while my parents still married. But he was just at odds all the time with my mom. So he was just kind of like, he checked out and was just always over there. And you were so, unaware so of So double life, does your mom and do you guys know what's going on? We knew at a certain point. Um, <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, uh, you know, it's crazy. So th- it's crazy. Like my mom got a, like a phone call from the insurance. This is how she finds out. She has a right. phone call from the insurance company and they're like, Hey, uh, how are the twins doing? And she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, how are the twins? Like you just had twins. She's like, I didn't have twins. Oh my and the gosh. lady's like arguing with it. Cause my dad has them on the insurance. And she's like, no, you had twins. Like you just, <laughs> and it like hits the lady like, Oh, uh, well, you know, I hope everything's fine. It hangs up. <laughs> I just deal with so this much. mess. Yeah. So my mom was like, what? They get into it or whatever. And I'm a young kid. Like me and my dad are super close. So I don't want them to get separated, you know, but I'm, I'm a young kid. Like I was, let me see at the time. I was like maybe fifth grade. Oh, wow. Fifth 10 or, or 11. Grade. Yeah. Around that age or maybe even a little bit younger. Um, but I'm like, you gotta like, you, do you love him? Are you going to let this lady win? Like you got to fight, right? Like I'm all gung ho. And my mom's like, wow, like, okay, like I'll take that advice. But she's so wrapped up 
in her own shit that fixing a relationship was the last thing on her mind. She tried, but, you know, and then also my dad was just like, he had checked out by that point too. Was this other lady more fun or more like not as religious or, um, you know what? I don't really know her very well. Like, oh, really? he's, are they still together? They, well, what's like my parents got divorced my senior year. Uh, like we lost the house. I I went and moved with my girlfriend. Oh my god! Uh, at sixteen. Well, 17. I was seventeen 17? at that at this time. Uh, I had mm-hmm. to live with my girlfriend. Um, my senior year, uh, her family lived in a ri- a rich neighborhood. Lake uh, not was it Lake Grove? I can't remember. Uh, so I moved out with them, and they you know would let me use the car to drive That's, all the way to wow. Brentwood to go to school. That's pretty incredible of the girl, your girlfriend at the time's family. To oh, they're wonderful. Let you in. Wow. They're wonderful. Like we had our spat together, but you know, I tell them all the time, like if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't have survived, you know? Wow. Right. And then I had friends also, uh, you know, two of my best friends, they were my best men at my wedding. They also took me in like my friend, Mike Anitra and his mom. Uh, I just gave his whole government name <laughs> and shit. Uh, <laughs> um, my, my friend Mike and John and their mom, Marie, like they took me in. And they were like, you know, whatever you need, you know, you guys, you have it. Like, just come live with us. So I like ended up finishing my senior year with living with my girlfriend and living with my, my buddy Mike. And then uh, every now and then I would stay at my buddy Casey's house during the summer. And uh, his mom, you know, God rest her soul, like, they all took me in and they were very good to me. So I had like a good support system. And then my teachers, like, like I said, uh, they supported me very well as well. Like I had teachers that were sending out college applications for me without my knowledge. Like I didn't even know, Oh wow! you know, they're like, you know, cause you're, you're too smart to be wasting this. Like you got to go to school. And like, I know that you could do well. And then like, were you doing good at school? Were you doing good? Yeah, I did. I did well in school. Um, you know, I could have done better, but I was so like it, I was very focused on sports and uh, I was very focused on sports and like trying to get my family life together. Like I was working all the time. So like I did well, like I think I graduated in the top because like my graduating class was like 800 and something like 880 or something like that. And I graduated like, yeah, it's a huge school. It was big. You know, I graduated in the top 100 or whatever. I can't remember exactly. Uh, So I did, you know, I did okay. I just, I looking back on it, like I didn't focus as much as I did because school to me at that time was very easy. I never needed to go very long in order to get it. Mm-hmm. So I was just focused on other things. Cause I'm like, well, I got this. This is easy. I can show up at the end and pass. And I did it like a lot of times, but like I said, I had teachers that were very, like very much in your corner, you know, uh, paying f- like, first of all, filling out applications without even my knowledge. Like they would fill out applications and send it to schools. And then like when I had applications and I'm like, damn, like I can't afford to send this, you know, cause they have the application fee. Uh, yeah. right. They would pay for it. They're like, wow. no, 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 here, right. They would write a check for me. Like, you know, send it off. Like shout out to Miss Stano. She did that to me, for me a lot. Right. And, you know, I wouldn't have gotten into Ithaca without her. And then my, How'd you choose Ithaca over um, all the schools? Uh, you know what? <laughs> I tell a joke about that uh, that I wrote in your class, actually. Okay. Yeah. Well, because. All right. So Ithaca, my my wrestling coach went to Ithaca and he well, gave me a brochure and on the brochure. 
Oh, yeah. There's a ton of uh, people, like, just getting along, like, white people, black people, Asian people, Latino people. I'm like, damn, I need to be a part of this. Like, this is wonderful. And then I went <laughs> to school there, and I did miserable my first semester because I spent half the time looking for the other black people from the goddamn brochure. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't exist. Like, it was crazy. Like, there was no... False advertising. Oh, man. Right. I was like, did they take a Polaroid of me and, like, use it for each picture and, like, just change it? Like, because where are... Like, there was no one... And and then, you know, I was like, you know, the brochure should have read, like, welcome to Ithaca, where the ground is cold and white, just like all the people, because nobody <laughs> else existed there. Really? It was, oh, man. And did you feel ostracized when you got there? Or? Um, Not, you know what, not really, because uh, I was still focused on what was going on at home. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, I was wrapped up in my girlfriend at the time, so, like, my focus was over there, and I just... Were your parents happy about it? Were they happy that you were going to school? And- yeah, funny thing, my mom did not want me to go to college. Oh my gosh! She she's like, "Who's gonna pay for this? What are you doing?" I'm like, "You have like, you have nothing to say about this. I'm doing all this on my own, and with helps from my teacher and help from uh, my uh, girlfriend's parents. You know, I'm like, wow. I, they did all this for me. I was like, I got scholarship and grants and everything like that. Like." You didn't do this. I did this. I worked hard for this. Leave me alone. Let me do my thing. She wanted me to go to the military. My two wow. older brothers went to the military. Um, and she's like, the military would take care of you. Just go to the military. I'm like, you don't even care that your son's going to possibly die in a war. You're just like, go to the military. Right. She, and what year was this? That I graduated you- 2000. Okay. All right, From so, high school? Yeah. So it was right before 9-11. 9/11. So, yeah. Um, she was just very much like, you're not going to be able to pay for it. Don't go to college. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what? What? But I listened to my parents and my, you know, surrounding supporters. They're like, you know, you're too smart. Like, just go and be a doctor. That's what you're going to do. Like, you're good at that. Like, you want to do that. Go be a doctor. And part of me was like, what? I want to act like I acted for so long. Like I want to do that. Like you were acting in high school and college? Uh, middle school and, and outside of high school. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then when I got to college, I was like, what, you know, I want to act and they're like, you know, no one goes to school for acting. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I was like all the time. Um, but I didn't follow my own heart. I followed what they were saying and you know, shout out to them. Cause it was, it's not wrong. Like I loved medicine. Like I loved, plastic surgery like that's what I wanted to do and you know I was a chemistry major Uh, I did very well in chemistry in high school and like I just had an affinity towards it so I was like oh I'll be a chemistry major but it was very different in college like my chemistry teacher in high school best teacher one of the best teachers I ever had in my life and I picked up on that stuff so fast and I I look back on it I'm like oh you know you were just good at chemistry I know she was a great teacher so I was able to pick up on it Yes, I was smart, but also she was so good at conveying the information. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Miss Siosia was great to me. Uh, and so I took that information. I went to college and just was not feeling. I wasn't doing well. And, you know, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to I want to change this up. So I made my own major um, with the help of a couple of professors. I made my own major. I did acting, writing and film studies. 
and I did a minor in legal studies because I also love law. So I did all of that. It's pretty amazing because I always think of my own college experience because you don't really think about like, oh, I can make this whatever I want. Yeah. So that's pretty and bold not, of you to. Yeah. And not just that, but of it was so it's so hard to figure out all the scholarship and grants oh, and man. to be a place of not being able to financially do it on your own and then having your teachers help you my and the hands on of believing yeah. in you. Like, that's incredible. And then when I got to when I got to Ithaca, you know, super lucky i link up with this lady candy and uh she was and to this day like my greatest supporter like she helped me out so much on the financial aid side she's like this is what we're gonna do to get you through and like i would have to take out money for the summers and she did everything to me so that i would have the minimal amount of money taken out even with all the grants and everything she did so much for me to get through college she's retiring this year and like i'm wow. like getting emotional about it because she was great like she helped me out so much um to help me get through college because i did i did five years and three summers and she helped me finance all of it wow wow and she worked so hard to like avoid me taking out more money than i need so i went to school like i said i had you know grants and all that good stuff and i i think i walked away Five years, three summers at Ithaca College, which is a private college. I think I had like twenty thousand dollars in oh. loans, or twenty-two thousand dollars in loans, or something like that, which is incredible considering college there is like, I think now is like sixty grand a year. Right. You know, at the time I think it was like thirty or something like that. So I was very fortunate um, to have like really good. Like I landed in places where I had really good people in my corner. Um, do you feel like the teachers and professors they were your support system and since your mom like lo- i'm sure loves you but didn't understand why you were in like yeah, could you I, not relate to I her at the time affinity, i had an affinity towards the the older group like the teachers like they for some reason i hung out with them and i think a lot of it was i was missing that parental right. you know mm-hmm. guidance like my dad and my mom provided for me but they weren't your traditional like me and my dad are really close and we hang out all the time, but he's not the traditional like structured parental <laughs> figure with well, a secret family. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, like they did, they did their best with what they had, but they just, right. you know, you know, my mom, oof, my mom was rough. Uh, you know, I love her as you know, you do with your mom, but she, you know, people are always like, you know, how did you not have your mom at your wedding? How do you not talk to your mom? And I was like, because it's, it's trauma that you, you got to, you got to do what's best for you. And I'm like, you may not understand it. You may think that I'm being mean or whatever. I said, but not having her around all the time is actually beneficial for me. And everyone's yeah. experience is different. So Absolutely. no one should judge for whatever's best for you. You know, well, in the black community, especially like if you shun your mom, it's like a big deal. Like what? That's your mom. Like, you know, right. moms all the time. Mom, mom, mom. And I'm like, nah, nah, not really. I'm like, if I still had that lady in my life, I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't be out here. I wouldn't be having healthy relationships. Like I recognized all that stuff early on. And I was like, I got to keep my distance from her because she's toxic. Like I saw yeah. what she did to my brothers. I saw what she did with my sister. And, you know, I was the youngest. And I recognized all of it. And they got damaged bad by my mom. And I'm like, I cannot be a part of that. You know, I remember my brother bringing home girls, right? 
and we, <laughs> we'd be like, we'd surround the girl and be like, listen, whatever you do, don't get caught alone with my mom. Like, find an excuse <laughs> to get out. Like, don't do it to yourself. And one day, my brother brought his girlfriend home, and I'm outside talking to his friends or whatever, and, you know, we're all having a good time because he came home to visit from the military. And I look around. I'm like, hey, where's your girlfriend? And he's like, fuck! <laughs> Go inside. Sure enough, she's in there bawling her eyes out. And I slept with your son, and I feel terrible. Oh, my God, I'm a sinner. And all I was like, what did I tell you? What did I say when you walked in the door? I told you not to find yourself alone with this woman. She will make you feel like a piece of shit. And she did that all the time. So, like, my bro- like during my graduation, college graduation, like, all my family, not all my family, but a lot of my family came. And my mom and my dad were there. Uh, you know, they divorced by this time. And then my uncle, my brother, my sister, and uh, my it was my eldest brother, who I'm really close with now. He gives me this look. Like, we know. He's like, I'm don't worry. Like, I'll keep Megan away <laughs> from mom. And, like, one of my teachers, like, pulls me away. And I look back. And I'm like, dog, like, I, you see this, right? right, right. And he's like, no, I got you. Like, don't worry. And he, like, hovered over Megan and wouldn't let my mom, like, take her away to talk to her and because my mom is intense dude yeah, yeah oh my god she'll make you feel like you need to go to church right now yeah moms are good at good my mom <laughs> my mom wasn't that bad but she was very religious and and she's catholic but yeah she she could uh i remember she would just say things that would confuse you like i remember i introduced her to one girl i was dating and she's like she's very shiny I was like, what does that mean? Like, I got into my head so much. I was like, shiny? What? Is that an insult? I don't know what that means. <laughs> like a prize or yeah, something? Yeah, I, I don't know what it even meant. I was like, That's oh, hilarious. Shiny? Yeah. What the hell is but that? Yeah, she just said things to get in my head. And I was like, oh shiny. Oh, my God. Do, do, are you religious today? No, absolutely not. Because that just... That just you know what? Like, I had didn't to go want anything on, to do with it. I had to go on my own journey in 2001. Like I was in school and I, I was just like, I feel a lot of wrong things in the church. And I was like, well, let me, where does the church originate from religion? Let me evaluate religion and what it's all about. And then I'm looking around and you, people can find peace in religion. I'm not knocking that. But overall, like when I'm, you know, reviewing all, all the notes, <laughs> that I, you know, about religion, I'm like, this is, this is bullshit. I'm like, a lot of this is not, you know, you know, and I'm not, I would make a lot of enemies here saying this, but I, you know, if anybody else is doing, you know, following a religion, good for them, as long as they're doing it for them and, and they're not rubbing other people the wrong right. way. If like, I feel like if it makes you a good person and that's what you need. Yeah. Okay. But then, you know, you have people out there who are like, if, how are you going to find structure without religion? How are you going to find morals without religion? And. And part of me is like, if you need morals, if you need religion to grant you morals, right. you're already fucked up. Like you, that that's a problem. Like if you need religion to say like killing is bad, right? That you look within yourself. Yeah, to be check like, yourself. I need some. I need help because yeah. that's terrible. Like you need a religion to tell you like, hey, don't cheat on your wife. Hey, don't kill people. Hey, don't steal. You need religion to tell you that. I'm like, we function in a society. And you want to keep that society whole, you don't do these things, right? Like, you just have, 
it's almost like innate. You like I'm not like you build a conscience. Like some people, they grow up and they not build a conscience, so right and wrong for them is like weird. But that's because they didn't have the right structure. You don't need religion to structure your life. Religion can be very harmful, and it was in my life. So I had to like, and I feel bad because there was a lot of good people that I kind of shunned when I left the church. Um, but I, I just I needed to make that hard cut. Like I had to. And do that's it hard to totally. do when you're 21, 20, or you know, 18, yeah. 19. So after you go to uh, you finish at Ithaca, uh, you finish with a theater degree. Uh, well, no, I finished so own. my own degree was in acting, writing, film studies, and legal studies. And then uh, I, I I was out here interning and moved back. Um, Wait, you were, you came out to L.A. Came out to L.A. because my senior year, like part of my thing that I built in within my so, all right, so my, uh, let me rewind a little bit. My senior year, um, I'm finishing up. I had uh, one more semester to go um, at Ithaca, and then the summer semester, I was supposed to come out to L.A. and intern, um, and that would be it. Then I finished, you know, get my degree, and I'm done. Uh, but this is my second senior year, you know, my fifth year of college. So I met, well, I, I had already known her, but I started linking up with Megan. And your wife, my wife. Right. So she uh, this is her senior year. She's a physical therapist. I think you say linking up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we like uh, we finally get together. You met at college. Yeah, we met in college. Okay. okay. So we finally get together um, and she had another, you know, she was done the same time I was done. But she would also have to go and get her master's and doctorate. And be and be finished. So I was like, okay, well, I'll stay instead of going to California because my college professor was was like, hey, we're gonna shoot a film here. I want you to be a part of this. Um, I was like, well, I already have my internship all set up in L.A. He's like, dude, L.A. will always be there. Stay here. And like, I didn't need much budging, you know, because Mm -hmm. Megan was still there. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll stay. Um, Did the film or whatever. We had a great time. Um, I came out here for my internship during the summer, moved back, uh, stayed with her in Rochester, uh, where she was getting her uh, doctorate, which, which, by the way, is pretty fucked up because I went to school the same amount of time as she did. And she has a goddamn doctorate and I have a fucking bachelor's. Isn't that some bullshit? And I was like, dude, I did five years and three summers. Why don't I have a doctorate? Because I, you know, because I was lazy and shit. Uh, <laughs> but she, you know, she. What's her doctorate in? Uh, uh, she has a doctorate in physical therapy. Oh, wow. wow. And that's yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. That's some real shit. And yeah. here's what's crazy about it. So she, when they were sophomores, because they do a lot, like they do a lot of stuff over the summer. They do cadaver lab and all that shit. So her, during her sophomore year, they would have, according to the, the regulations, they were already taking master's classes, but they didn't know. Like, the school hadn't updated their program yet. So they're already taking master's classes. So by the time she was a senior, they're like, hey, you guys are almost done with your master's. We have this deal for you. If you finish up the – because every like when you do physical therapy at Ithaca, it's a four-year program. Then you go to Rochester for a fifth year, and you get your master's. But they're like, we have this deal. Like, you go to Rochester for the fifth year, and 10 weeks after that, if you do a 10-week program after that, you get your doctorate. Ten weeks, because they were like, you already oh met all the requirements. Yeah. So she was like, why would I not take that deal? Like, of course I'll do it. So 
once she was in Rochester, she did the extra 10 weeks, got her doctorate, and then we moved to L.A. Wow. Yeah. So that, what year was that? That was uh, 2006. Okay. Yeah, end of 2006 is when we finally made it out here. And uh, and so you come out here, and do you go right toward the acting, or what do you go? I, I, I had a manager at the time because uh, my professor helped me get a manager. Uh, it was a guy that repped him. And, you know, I was just focused a lot on acting um, and boxing. Like, I was still boxing at the time. Like, I never let it go. And st- stupidly, because, you know, I wasn't going to be a champ or anything. I just, I loved it so much. I didn't want to, I loved combat sports. I'm like, I don't want to let this go. Um, so I was focusing a lot on that. And then, you know, I was like, dude, you moved out here to be a comic and an actor. Do it. Like stop fucking were you, around. Were you like fighting in ma- in matches? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. So am- you were. Yeah, yeah, Like an amateur boxer. I was an amateur boxer. I was looking to go pro. Um, <laughs> crazy story. So I was looking to go pro. Uh, during sparring one day, this is before I'm having my pro debut. I get my nose broken and it's like twisted to the side. They're like, dude, they're not gonna let you. He el- kid elbows me out of anger and I break my nose and they're like, oh they're God. not gonna let you fight like that. You have to get that fixed. They're like, if it was, you know, if they didn't see it, it'd be no big deal. But, like, that's pretty noticeable. So I get my nose fixed. While I'm getting my nose fixed, the doctor's like, hey, can you put your head back? I was like, no, I can't do that, dude. And he's like, what? I was like, no, just lean me back in the chair. I was like, I can't do this. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I hurt myself in 10th grade in football. Um, And it's been like that ever since. So I kind of, like, it's very hard for me to do that. You can't lean your head all the way yeah, back. Yeah, I couldn't do that at the huh. time. So he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, we're going to, I got to send you some place. You got to get that checked out. I get that checked out as well. And they're like, all right, how long has this been hurting you? I'm like, oh, you know, since 10th grade. They're like, dude, your neck has been broken since you were in 10th grade. Like, what the fuck happened to you? I'm like, well, I made a tackle in the first play and like planted my helmet right in the guy's chest. I had like a stinger. That's what we call it. Like, right, a sting, right. like you know, my fingertips are getting numb and. I'm like, oh, my coach is like, all right, sit out of play. Then I sat and went back in. And he's like, yeah, man, your neck has been broken. And he's like, you wrestled and boxed and did all that for years? I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, you're done. You can't box anymore. Wow. And I'm I'm bawling at this oh point. I'm gosh. like, are you kidding? He's like, dude, one wrong hit. He's like, you know, people in the podcast aren't going to be able to see this. He's like, this is what a normal neck looks like. With this being the spinal cord, this being the bones around it, uh, or this being the spinal fluid, this being the cord, and uh, this is what your neck looks like in two areas. It's just like squished. It's like compressed. Squished, compressed. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, you know, the bones around it are all brittle, and it's pushing in to the cord. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Uh, so what do we do? And he's like, all right. Well, you know, I know that you're passionate about this, and you really want to get fixed. So I will give you, an like, instead of doing spinal fusion, I'll give you epidural in two spots. Like, I'll send you someplace, get you an epidural. And he's like, and then you do 10 months of therapy. You come back, and we'll evaluate how you are. So I actually, or eight months of therapy. I actually did 10 months of therapy. Like, I worked really hard. I come back, and he's like, dude, I can't even believe I'm going to say this. But he's like, I had no intentions of ever letting you fight again. He's a but you healed. You're healed. Like, you're good. You can fight. I'm like, yes, like I'm back in the game. Tear my labrum at Olive Garden. <laughs> you tore your labrum Tear at Olive Garden. Tear my Garden. labrum oh my. at Olive Garden. Walking <laughs> into the kitchen with a tray on my, you know, my dominant hand, my right hand. Somebody opens the door, knocks it out, and pulls it back. But 
Oh. It happens, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. At OG? <laughs> at the OG. It happens oh, all the time. It happens all the time. You don't think anything of it. You're like, oh, I'm fine, whatever. I finish my shift. I go home. I'm like, well, you know, you get bumps and bruises. I wake up in the morning. I have trouble brushing my teeth. And that's when I knew something was wrong. And, like, I went to the doctor. And he took an MRI. He's like, oh, you got a tear right here and right here in your labrum. He's like, we got to fix that right away. And I get it. He goes in to fix it, and he realizes that it wasn't a tear in the front and back. It was a tear all the way around. Oh, my God. And I was like, fuck. So he fixed up, and I was like, I guess I guess I'm done boxing. Like, I guess. <laughs> so when, when how old were you when that dream ended? <laughs> oh, uh 27, 26? Uh, yeah, t- around there. Uh, let me see. I got married in 2010. That's when uh, everything was culminated, 2009, 2010. So around there. Yeah. Um, and, and then that was when the next shit happened. And then the 2013 is when I had the surgery. So, uh-huh. you know, that was what? Uh, I was 30, 31. When I was like, all right, I guess this is it. Like, I'm done. Does Olive Garden give you, like, intense physical therapy? They're, like, walking across and you're carrying, like, the tray. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Carry more breadsticks. I had, oh, man. I had, That is a issue. I'm still dealing with that legally. Still mm. oh, right wow. now. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, because under my wife's insurance, I'm 100% covered. Like, it's not a problem. And I went to the doctor on my own. Like, I don't care. I'm like, whatever. Like, it's fine. Um, and they're like, oh, it's torn or whatever. So I go to my boss. I'm like, hey, man, you know that shit that happened on the weekend? Like, I, I got to get it fi- I got to get my shoulder fixed. He's like, no, no, no. Go through workers comp. I'm like, no, it's not a big deal. Like, anything covered under my wife's, like, anything I get done is covered under my wife's insurance because she works at the hospital, right? So mm-hmm. they were like, no, no, no. You have to go through workers comp just in case. I don't know the legal side of this. I'm like, all right. Like, I guess I got to do what you say. Biggest mistake of my life. Biggest mistake of my life. Workers comp fought me tooth and nail. They didn't want to give away shit. I had to get an attorney. My manager at the time, like not my manager from Algar, my career manager. <laughs> he gives me, he's like, all right, I'm going to link you up with a lawyer. I get a lawyer. I have to sue them because they didn't, they didn't want to give me anything. They didn't want. Like, I know like I used to work with uh, people that would, were on workman's comp and they would like get a job like i work for goodwill industry so they would get a job and they would have like people filming them like making sure they weren't like oh they follow you around pounds. and stuff like did that, you yeah. have yeah they'd like follow you around like fbi oh yeah to make sure that make you're sure not faking it yeah right. well i did you have that i, I believe that? i believe that they at first yes like okay. there was people out taking pictures and stuff right were you aware of that were you like aware? Uh, well i mean i'm uh, like constantly seeing these cars in front of the house you know, tinted out windows and just oh, parked wow. there all the time. And I'm like, you're never here. Right. right. Like they were so obvious about it. Like, I'm like, you could at least hide in the bushes. Right. Like, <laughs> but, did, but then don't you have to be conscientious of like what you're doing? And but here, like, you know, but it I was, wasn't, it was true. It was a hundred percent true. So I was like, I don't, I was like, you could come look at me all you want. I was right. Like, but, but they, they can take a picture and it's like, Oh, he's opening the, he's carrying groceries. Like what's wrong with, you know, his you shoulder know, yeah, seems well, fine. It's crazy because at the, at the touch, my shoulder was on fire. Like yeah. some people at work, like, cause I would go to work and they would touch me in the back and I'm like, fuck. And they're like, Charles, like it hurts that bad. I'm like, sometimes. Yeah. It was really weird. It hurt right. a lot. Um, so going into the comedy stuff, you, so you're injured, uh, OG style and now you're, <laughs> you're, uh, that's a form of injury. Um, people didn't know. 
And when do you sort of start throwing yourself more toward well, the comedy? Um, I would like I said I was doing open mics here and there um, and earlier be- on, and you became friends with like Maranzio Vance and yeah, you know what Maranzio uh, Maranzio is a comic who was on Last Comic Standing, very funny on George Lopez show. Yeah, and he was a writer for Boondocks and In Living Color, uh, the reboot or whatever. Very funny dude. Good. Mm. He's like my big brother in comedy. You know, like that's how he like introduces me all the time. Like, oh, this is my little brother Charles. Good dude. He um, I met him at. Olive Garden of all places. <laughs> um, Everything goes back. This to is the Olive Garden goes back episode. to OG. Uh, uh, shout out to Olive Garden, the place where everyone is family. Uh, he, you know, he's like, you know, you can you help me work out and teach me boxing? And he's like, because I, you know, I trained people, right, right. not in boxing, but uh, you know, health wise. Like, You're a personal right. trainer, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll help out. And then, you know, I went to one of his comedy shows. This was like 2008, 2008, yeah. Um, end of 08. And and then he was, you know, just we linked up that way. And I've been going, I was already doing open mics and stuff. And then he was like, you know, let me book you on shows. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not focused enough. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to take class. He's like, don't take class, man. Don't take class. But I was like, nah, I feel like I need to do this. That's when I did your class. Okay. And then um, and then since then, like, after that, then I was like, now my confidence is back to, like, what it was before. I'm like, now let me just go forward and do shows all the time and hit it running. And um, and then I guess I would this is not unfortunate because, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. Then acting started to take a back seat because I was doing comedy so much. Right. Um, so now you're running a room in Woodland Hills uh, called the the Write Off Room. The Write Off Room. Yep. Shout out to Patty and Aaron, the owners. Great people. Um, I got. Funny enough, I got the Write Off Room thanks to Steph, because yeah. she was yeah. like, "Hey, like, I know you're looking to do a show closer to yourself in the Valley." Um, with all your con- like there was a guy that had a room there it just wasn't working out but with your connections like you'll do great yeah um so me and mark uh saratella went over there and they were like you know like uh like okay and we started doing a show just <laughs> i was like starting on a shaky we'll foundation see. like that yeah be- well because they had i guess there was a show there it just wasn't it didn't work out like steph said and then um you know, we were there on Mondays and we were killing it for them, bringing them big names. Yeah. And yeah. then they were like, you know, can you do Saturdays as well? So we did Saturdays. Uh, Monday Night Football was kicking our butt. So we just, you know, stuck to Saturdays. And it's been very good to us, like seven to eight every Saturday. Um, before the music. They, right before the music. Yeah, yeah. Right before the bands. And then it's great because then that, those big names still can then go to the improv laugh factory yes, wherever exactly. they're performing because it's so early. Because it's very early. So, you know, we've been fortunate, very fortunate. That place worked out very well. And it's got a great state. It's a great room. Yeah. yeah. You guys great, have done it a lot. It's a great room. Yeah. Do you do you like uh, what, what brought you to that point of like, so you, you're mainly going up at open mics. You're kind of doing some shows here and there. Right. Doing shows here. Well, if you remember, I, I was also producing shows at flappers, you know, every now and then. Oh yeah, that's right. And then, uh, I did some shows on my own. Uh, you know, and I was like, always had success, but it just wasn't, I didn't have like a solid, like continuous, like you're doing this all the time. Right. Um, and some people would put me on their shows. I was doing comedy juice. So I was doing on, I was on some decent shows. Um, I had some, you know, great connections, but 
I wasn't headlining or anything. And Mark was like, dude, like, why are you not headlining? I don't understand this. And I'm like, I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the, the, the procedure. Jump, yeah. Like, I was like, I don't know how to make that jump. Like, and he's like, you're, you're very funny. Like, you should be doing this all the time. He is like, you got your ton of material. He's like, you know, let's start a room together and we're going to get this going for you. He's like, right. you know, we're going to up those connections and we're going to, you know, cause Mark pushed a lot. He was like, you're, you need to be doing better than you are. Like, this doesn't make sense. Right. So that we started the room together. Um, and Mark, Mark's a, I remember Mark, uh, I remember I met Mark in like 2004 in Montreal and he gave me like his press kit. Like I was just there as like a new face and he gave me his press kit. I was like, where am I getting this press kit? <laughs> I can't do anything. I'm trying to get my own thing going. I can't do nothing for you. Right. Mm-hmm. No, but I, I still have it, I think. And I uh, never gave it to anyone. Uh, <laughs> but he was, a, he was a hustler. Like He went out to Montreal just because to make the connection. So he, yeah. he's always been somebody that's... He's a uh, go-getter. He's a go-getter. And then he recognizes someone that has talent, too, that needs, you know, you deserve yeah. quality shows well, to thanks, be on quality yeah. shows. Yeah. Uh, you guys put me on a lot of shows. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, but sometimes, I don't know, like, you just, you have these great comics and they're just not doing anything. And you, I, I've never understood, like, how certain comics get to where they are. And not because they're not good, but because I'm like, well, how did you get there? Like, how did you make that leap? Right. You know, like, where did that come in? You know, was it just somebody recognizing or did you create your own? And Maz Jabrani told me, he's like, dude, start your own room, build up your audience, and bring that wherever you go. Right. And he was the one that really pushed me in the beginning. And then, you know, Mark was like, let's do this. He's like, you should be headlining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once I did that, like, I started to get more feature spots and things were opening up because, like, dude, this guy is funny. Like, we got to get him. So that, right. you know, that helped out a lot. And I was like, damn, like, okay. But I'm still at the point where I'm like, how do I get to headline more? How do I get to feature more? Like, I'm still trying. I'm still pushing. Right. Do you talk about any of this? The the secret family thing seems like, is that something you talk about on stage? Or uh, no. This is actually the first time I'm talking about this publicly, wow. like that a lot of people will know, ever. Uh, I You know, like, if you know me, you kind of know my story. But I never really, I never knew that. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I just never really like. Get it doesn't into really it. come but, up. Well, it doesn't come up, and that's why I love doing this because then you can really get to know yeah right. somebody's story. But I just think that's such a. I, I think, like you said, like it is building your following, but it's also having an interesting story. You know, like I, I think when you go into those meetings, like I bring up Steve Ranazizi telling his what ended up being a fake story about why he got into comedy was because he was Cause at, of 9-11 because of 9-11 he was there and he left the building just in time or whatever the story is but that does make for a more interesting story in a meeting with a n- network or whatever it's like well i had i grew up with a secret family like w- nobody's has that story but you i mean i'm sure maybe yeah so i mean that that is your in that is what makes you unique you know like your experience at the college all that stuff it's like yeah um that's the stuff i think that helps you stand out that's gonna you know in the long run hopefully it does i mean uh you know now i'm the stay-at-home dad (laughs) you know people like think it's funny but i'm like whatever man like my wife's a doctor physical therapy what does your wife do you know (laughs) (laughs) right so uh it's it's I'm fortunate to have that in my corner because it allows me to do a lot of stuff 
with comedy and acting. So um, it's just it's it's interesting that you say that because you're right. Like, had all that stuff never happened, I probably wouldn't be in this position now. Right, right. I probably you know, and I just went home in August and I was featuring for Drew Lynch. Um. And I was there with him and Justin, uh, Justin Foster, Foster and yeah. we had a great time. And a ton of my friends and fam, like friends and teachers, showed up to see me. That's so right. cool. And you know, they were like, you know, we're always in your corner, and they showed me so much love and support. And I was like, anytime I go back to New York, they do this. Like they all show up. Like right. I did comedy juice, and like I knew about twenty-five to thirty people were coming, and then like sixty people showed up. Oh my gosh! And I was yeah. like, holy shit! Like you know, it was like bringing tears to my eyes. I'm like, you guys support me so much. Thank you for all of that. So uh, I'm very fortunate to have where I came from. Like, yeah. you know, it might not have, it might have been a poor area. It might have been, you know, gang real, but these guys were, they're loyal and they're kind and they're faithful and they're helpful. And, you know, I'm very fortunate for where I grew up. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's what you need to realize. Like, I realize that now in Milwaukee, I was always doing shows at the local club or whatever, and then, you know, the last two or three years, I've just been booking my own room, just renting out a space, and in Milwaukee, they'll just be like, yeah, you can have the back room, <laughs> they don't care. But you can go and do that you in can, New York, you and can headline do that in your own space. Or even, like, shooting, a, if you decide to kind of take it to that next level of doing a CD, or doing a special, or something like that, Shoot you it, could do an album, yeah. Do mm-hmm. it at, in, in New York, because it's like, you've got the people there, you've got the story to tell, like, I think you... Yeah, I think you have to figure out what what makes you stand out from the crowd, you know. Cause, yeah, because stay at home dad is pretty, you know. There there is that, but I think the fact that you the way you grew up, like that's interesting. Well, there's a lot to it, right? So growing up, uh, I had a lot of I being from Brentwood, I had a lot of Latino friends, a lot of white friends, a lot of black friends, a lot of Asian friends. So I was very like very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fast forward, I go to college, Ithaca College, where there's nothing but white people. <laughs> right. I, you know, I meet Megan. She's a white lady. So we get married. And, you know, in certain circles, there's a, there's a lot of heat because of that. So that is unique in of itself a little bit because, like, you know, coming from where I'm coming from, where I come from, like that, you don't kind of do that. You right. Know? But uh, not that it's fr- not that, like, you can't. It's just more like it's not expected. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, they're surprised when it happens. They're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. You mean in Brent? You mean the people in Brentwood are surprised? From Brentwood and Queens, yeah. They're just, you know, like, really? Like, you know, but like I said, Brentwood was very, very, very diverse. So, like, when you go back home to the hood, there's a bit of a expectation. Like, hey, you're black. You're going to marry a black woman or whatever. And I was like, I don't have any problem with black women. I just happen to fall in love with this woman who's not, you know, right. so. Is there is that hard to do? Is there do you face discrimination when you guys go back to New York, or you go or even out here, yeah. or even out here, um, do you, or do you? Are you just like you don't you, pay attention you to? You try it? not to pay attention to it. I get more flack than she does. Like she gets flack from her family, or she did. Wow, and that um, must be hard. That's oh, I mean, man, if that hurts, right? Woo! If I could tell you, I could. I have. All right, so I'll tell you one instance. Uh, you know, and shout out to her family. They're great people. Like, you know, we get along very well now, and um, they recognize that they had some biases that they needed to get over, right? But at one point, um, 
I feel <laughs> I feel terrible like divulging this. But he, you know, shout out to him. He's grown from this, so it's it's yeah. You know, I, th- I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, when Megan and I were first dating, uh, she was on the phone with her sister, and I was driving her car. She did, her sister didn't know because Megan was drunk, so I was like, like speaker or whatever. Right. So she has it on speakerphone. I'm driving. And her sister's like, oh, I heard you have a new boyfriend. Tell me about him. She's like, oh, you know, he's from New York, whatever, whatever. Um, black dude, whatever. And she's like, black dude, you better stop bringing all these black guys home. Dad's <laughs> going to think that you like black guys. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. She had no idea that I heard this. None. And I was like, really? I'm looking at Megan as like mortified. Like, what the fuck? Fast forward to, man, I think it was like Thanksgiving time. Um, She goes home and, you know, her her parents are like, you know, tell me about this guy that you're dating. And she tells her and her dad is like, you know, "Uh, do I want to see my daughter marry a black guy? No. Can I stop her? Not really. And then she got like super emotional again. I'm on the phone with her. They have no idea. So I'm hearing all of this and I'm like, what the fuck? And uh, she's crying. She's like, and then he like sees like that she's so emotional. He's like, well, no, it's just, you know, to be, because you're going to face a lot of discrimination, nothing else. And it's like, oh, no, dude, we you, we heard where that was coming from. Right, like, right. you know, but um, shout out to him. He's grown and he's so much like he's different now, you know, so um, but that was a shock. You know, and I was like, well, I'm not dating her family, so I don't really care. You know, she thought I was going to hate her. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like that. It does do it. Yeah, it does. Like, I think like even for me, I think I always thought like, well, I got to marry a girl who's Catholic and has the same beliefs and and it really does limit you. It's like, well, no, I love this person who's not Catholic and is not religious. Yeah. You know, like it's weird when in, in any culture, in any race, when people are like, I understand like preservation of culture. Like you can still do that without having to, you know, do all these other things. But people are like, I got to preserve my culture to the point where I'm going to limit myself to who I could date. And I'm like, I think to, you know, civil rights and everything and Martin Luther King and all these people fighting for equality to the point where we get equality and then you're not allowed to exercise it. And right. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm supposed to be able to do whatever I want. Like, stop limiting me. Like, but you, you know, society. I'm like, yes, society sucks, but what we have here is a meeting of those two opposites. That you know, this it's wonderful that we can get to this point. It's like when Barack Obama became president, everyone was like, oh, we have a black president. And I was like, how about the fact that we have a mixed race president? That mm-hmm. dude, like, I was like, that's incredible. You ever? I never thought that that would ever happen. You know. I was like, that's incredible within and of itself. Like, that's a testament to where we are. And people didn't look at it that way. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe we haven't progressed. Like, maybe we are still fucking backwards because now we have, you know, yeah. what we have, but whatever. <laughs> and Charles has a great joke about uh, when Trump took office, how it's actually benefited him. <laughs> uh, because, because of all the people feel guilt, all the white people feel guilty and like, oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> so they, they tip, tip the shit tips. out of me. Yeah, yeah they t- <laughs> tips have gotten better as a result it was incredible when that happened like that's that joke because i ran that joke by you before i did it um because i was like this really happened and you were like dude you gotta do that as a joke 
And, you know, that lady, she was just like, like they came up to me like, we're so sorry on behalf of white people. And I was like, really? Like, right. why are we doing this? And they're like, you know, like, we know it's going to be hard for a black man in America now. And I was like, now? Like, why? <laughs> you know. Or people in L.A. were so depressed oh, that man. like that week I made so much money in the day because people right. were just going in there drinking. Oh, it was crazy. And then yeah. she gave, like they, they, lit, they gave me a $60 tip on a $40 check. And I was like, I got to talk about this. This is right. what the hell? That's 150% tip. That was crazy. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is insane. Um, I, yeah. I love when like humor about race. I think, I think Dwayne Kennedy has another great joke about who is the slave who, who killed his owners. They did the movie about him. Nat. Oh, uh, Nat Turner. Nat Turner. And he says, uh, He's like, uh, oh, yeah, the, this was a movie about a, a, a slave who ended up killing his owners. He's like, whoa, talk about buyer's remorse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love those things. Those are, oh, uh, your great. joke, is, that joke is so good. But um, I want to sort of talk just to finish up. What uh, what do you got coming up? What's uh, or what what are you hoping to happen in this year and um well in this year what i'm hoping to do is just get a lot more dates um a- across the nation because like that's what i really want to do like i'm supposed to uh shout out to johnny cardinelli i'm supposed to go with him on his next trip like he does uh oh yeah military, over, tour. military yeah. tours he's gonna take me on a military tour um but you know i've i've met some great comics and comics that i looked up to so it was really cool to meet them and and a lot of them are like, oh, yeah, you come on the road with me, you know, and um, like uh, Mark Norman uh, is one of my favorites. You know, you're not supposed to say that, but whatever. I don't care. The, he was like, no, 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 like, we'll get you on some dates. And Nate Bargatze, same thing. He was like, you know, I'll take you with me, like, uh, you know, um, get you some more exposure and right. go from there. That so, helps a lot to yeah. get in front of those audiences and and to kind of have more people see you and it helps you as a comic just to be in a different environment and also to be around like really great comics that are really good joke writers yeah 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 so helpful yeah mark is a both those guys incredible joke writers like it's it's insane and i i get a lot of inspiration from watching them and like i you know i watch old footage of patrice o'neill and um and Joan Rivers and, and I just like see like the structure that these guys had and I apply a lot of the stuff from your class and uh, I put it in to perspective and I still call you every now and then when I'm right, like, right. you know, what do you think about this joke or whatever? So like it's been a it's been a cool journey um, and I'm very grateful for it. So, yeah, well, thank you. Thanks so much for doing the podcast. Yeah. Man. Where can we find you on social media? Um, You can find me on Twitter at uh Oh, geez, I forget my Twitter. I think it's Greaves underscore Charles. Um, I'm checking it right now. Uh, yeah, I think it's Greaves underscore Charles. Yeah, at G-R-E-A-V-E-S underscore C-H-A-R-L-E-S. And Instagram? You have two, two Instagrams, right? Well, yeah, I have two Instagram. One's for the show, uh, uh, a show called Comedy. Um, on Instagram, okay. Yeah, that's on Instagram, a show called Comedy. That's, you know like a tribe called quest you say the whole thing uh, <laughs> and then uh charles underscore greaves is my regular instagram and then i have my comedy page on facebook oh as i pull right. yeah Let's get some tunage yeah that was the 
Charles Greaves Comedy, right? That's my comedy page on, on, Facebook. on Facebook. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, cool. thanks to Tom, I have all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, check out Charles. If you're in California, come on out to Woodland Hills. Woodland Hills uh, right off room. Uh, right Saturdays off room. at 7. Saturday at 7 p.m. Every week, and he's get, gets great comics every every time. And free, no, co- no you know. Yeah, no cover. No cover. That, no cover. You know, I brought Ken Jong there and uh, Alonzo Bowden. Shout out to those guys. They've been great. Um, Drew Lynch has done the show a lot. Uh, this guy, Tom Clark. I don't know. You, you, yeah, you kind of. <laughs> but you're not going to find a free show on a Saturday in the, in that area. No, right. at all. It's a really fun room. So it's really dope, you know, and uh, I'm very grateful for them for allowing us to put the show on there, so. All right. Well, thank you, Charles. Thanks, Charles. And uh, thank you, guys. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a review on iTunes, all that stuff. And uh, at Tom Clark Comedy, at Steph Clark Comedy. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget to spade and neuter your dogs. (laughs) That's true.